Welcome listeners, but take heed, we will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. Before we begin, please be aware, we have a tendency to swear. You have been warned, make no mistake, so join us now, we're For Fox Sake. Welcome to For Fox Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and my cozy co-host is Carly. I am the coziest of puffs in all my puff gear today. It's so funny to me that we both described each other as cozy separately. Yes. (laughs) We record these chapters into two episodes on the same day, every other Saturday. And we both show up with our intros to the episodes and we both described the other as cozy, cozy. because it's freaking cold here. It is cold in Cleveland. Lots of snow and chilliness. So if we could fly somewhere else, we would. But for now, let's fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the first half of Chapter 8, Snape Victorious, and the film scenes that sort of corresponded in a way that wasn't the same in the books. In the book, we're greeted with the face of Tonks finding Harry after searching the train. They make a hasty retreat from Hogsmeade Station to walk the forever long path to Hogwarts. Unless you're watching the movie, in which case Luna finds Harry. And we are left with so many missing character details from one minor change. And then we see Snape being more rude in the books than he ever is in the movies. During episode 208, Harry in a Hopeless Place... Our Potter pondering was, how do you feel about the change from Tonks to Luna finding Harry? Kendra said, I really love Tonks as a character, so I was sad to not see her in this scene in the movie. But I also love Luna and thought they did a great job with her finding him, and it was really funny at the same time. So overall, I was okay with it. Hello, this is Zach Thurston with my Potter pondering on my thoughts on the change from Tonks to Luna finding Harry on the train. My thoughts on that are as they are with most things when they're transitioning from the book to the movie is why, what was the purpose? Why did we need to make that change? What did it add to the story? Which in my opinion, it was nothing. It actually took away from the story because, you know, I feel like that was pretty character building with Tonks finding Harry and then that walk up to the castle when Snape intercepts the message she sent and getting a look into you know the more like gloomy sad side of Tonks especially when when Snape's like hey I noticed your Patronus changed and and you know just kind of building that depth of why is she sad and, and then that starts like the rumors of what's going on with her you know was she in love with Sirius or you know what what's what exactly is happening so I, I don't get it. I don't know why they made that change. I don't think it was necessary. I'm sure it didn't save money or anything like that. So if they did take the extra time to, you know, make redo that with Tonks, I think it would be much more fitting. And that's my Potter Pondering. Hi, this is Jessica calling in my Potter Pondering of Tonks versus Luna finding Harry. I have expressed my love for Luna in the past. She's one of my favorite characters and I love Harry telling Luna that they are friends, you know, while they're walking up to the school together. Just to validate that relationship that they have, you know, because Luna says multiple times, you know, talking about, oh, I wish I had friends or I'm pretending that we're friends or whatever. But if they followed the book properly, Harry would have done that in an earlier scene already. And I will admit that I do love the scene with Flitwick and the no excuses, Potter. 
bit, you know, because Flawick knows who the fuck he is. <laughs> and like Ellen said, I'm all for the additions, just not the changes. And especially as a Hufflepuff, and the fact that Tonks is also one of my favorite characters, why do they cut her out so much? She's such a badass horror and an integral part of the Order of the Phoenix, and I find it so interesting how her Patronus changes and how that works. But no, their relationship is just out of the blue, just all of a sudden she and Remus are together, like, what? No build-up or anything. And considering the fact that, like, the movies are, you know, less from Harry's point of view, they had the perfect opportunity to build on other character development and not just take a machete to it and then only use the scraps. And it only gets worse from there, too. I can agree that at least they made the way that Luna found Harry make sense. But there still should have been orders stationed in Hogsmeade to make sure that the students were all safe. What were they thinking about changing that? The show better get it right or it's all for nothing. Tonks deserves her screen time. Damn it, David Yates. Hey Carly, hey Ellen, Jackson here with my Potter Pondering. Honestly, the change from Tonks to Luna finding Harry, this is not one that I mind as much as others. I mean, I don't like that we missed out on all this stuff with Tonks. I definitely don't like what they left out in this movie in general with Tonks and her relationship with Remus. But if they had to replace it, I'm happy that it was Luna. Because the whole thing with the Raxperts and her telling him that he looks exceptionally ordinary. And especially the cute little moment where he says, but we are friends, Luna. And she's like, that's nice. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, this is not the change I mind a lot. Thank you so much for your responses. Our trivia question last week was, why was Hagrid late to the feast? He was late because he was having a nice chat with Grop and lost track of time. Congratulations goes to Kalista Whitewall. Hooray! Can I just say that I'm really confused by your hooray there and not your yay? I know. <laughs> I don't know. My brain was like, hey, I gotta change it up. <laughs> but anyway, this is Kalista's fifth week in a row. She has got this streak going strong. Think she can keep it up? You never know. For now, let's dive into the second half of Chapter 8, Snape Victorious and the, actually, corresponding film scenes. Chapter 8, Snape Victorious, Part 2. Snape doesn't speak at first, giving Harry time to seethe in hatred for the man. When the potions master does speak up, it is to take 50 points from Gryffindor for being late, and another 20 for still being in muggle clothes. He also points out that he thinks it'll be the first time any house has been in negative points so early in the term. Harry's anger blazes white hot, but he keeps quiet, as he would rather be immobilized all the way back to London than tell Snape why he was late. Snape figures Harry wanted to make an entrance and didn't have a flying car this time, so he was just going to burst in the Great Hall halfway through the feast instead. Harry keeps his mouth shut, though he is extremely angry and knows Snape came to fetch him specifically so he could give him a hard time with no witnesses. When they reach the castle steps, they can hear talk and laughter over the tinkling of plates and glasses. 
Harry considers putting his invisibility cloak back on so he can slip in without being noticed. But Snape tells him he can walk in so everyone can see him, which he's sure is what he wanted. Wanting to get away from Snape, Harry immediately turns and marches into the Great Hall. As people are starting to stare, he spots Hermione and Ron and speeds up to reach them and forces his way between them on the bench. Ron starts to ask where he has been, but instead wonders what happened to his face. Harry grabs a spoon to see what his face looks like, asking what's wrong with it, and Hermione informs him he is covered in blood. She raises her wand and casts Turgio to siphon off the dried blood. Harry thanks her and asks how his nose is looking. Hermione responds that it looks normal, but wants to know why he asks and what happened. Harry says that he will tell them later, since Ginny, Neville, Dean, and Seamus are all listening in. Hermione tries to protest, but Harry insists, hoping everyone else just assumes he's been involved in something heroic. He knows Malfoy is going to spread the story as far as he can, but hopes it might not reach many Gryffindors. Before Harry can reach for some chicken, the dinner disappears and is replaced with puddings. Hermione tells him that he missed the sorting. He asks if the hat said anything interesting and learns that it was more of the same advice to unite against dark enemies. Harry asks if Dumbledore mentioned Voldemort at all, and Hermione says he hasn't yet, but he usually saves the proper speech for after the feast, which should be soon. When Harry brings up Snape telling him Hagrid was late for the feast too, Ron wonders about him seeing Snape, and Hermione tells him it was only a few minutes late and points out he is waving to him. Harry looks up at the staff table and smiles at Hagrid, who is enthusiastically waving at him to Professor McGonagall's disapproval. He is also surprised to see Professor Trelawney sitting on Hagrid's other side, as she rarely leaves her tower. She looks just as odd as ever, and since Harry always considered her a bit of a fraud, he had been surprised to learn that she was the one who made the prediction that sent Voldemort after him and his parents. This knowledge makes him even less inclined to want to be in her company, so he's glad to be dropping divination this year. When her glittery eyes turn in his direction, Harry looks away quickly, settling on the Slytherin table, where Malfoy is miming the shattering of a nose to laughter and applause. He drops his gaze to his treacle tart, wishing he could fight Malfoy one-on-one. -on -one. Hermione asks him what Slughorn wanted, and when Harry tells her it was to know what happened at the Ministry, she comments that everyone else does too. Nearly Headless Nick joins in the conversation, mentioning that there is much talk about it amongst the ghosts as well, though he assures Harry he would rather die than betray his trust. Ron points out that isn't saying much since he's already dead. Nearly Headless Nick responds that he again shows all the sensitivity of a blunt axe, and glides away, right as Dumbledore stands. All the talk and laughter dies immediately, and the headmaster wishes everyone the very best of evenings while opening his arms wide. Hermione gasps and asks what happened to his hand, and isn't the only one who noticed. As whispers sweep through the hall, Dumbledore just shakes his sleeve to cover his blackened hand and insists that it is nothing to worry about before starting his speech. Harry whispers to Hermione that it looked like that when he saw him over the summer, but he thought it would be better by now. Hermione thinks it looks like it died, and mentions that there are some injuries you can't cure. Dumbledore continues his speech, talking about Filch's blanket man on any joke items bought from Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, and tells those interested in playing Quidditch or commentating the games to give their names to their heads of house. 
He then welcomes Professor Slughorn as their new potions master, shocking the entire school. Ron and Hermione both turn to Harry and ask him about it, as Dumbledore informs them all that Professor Snape will be taking the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. Harry loudly exclaims no, causing many to turn and look towards him, but he doesn't care. He racks his brain trying to remember if Dumbledore ever told him what Slughorn would be teaching. Snape lazily raises a hand to acknowledge the applause coming from the Slytherin table, but Harry is sure he can see a look of triumph on his face. He points out one good thing, saying at least it means Snape will be gone by the end of the year since the job is jinxed and no one lasts for more than a year. Quirrell actually died doing it, so he's going to keep his fingers crossed for another death. Hermione is shocked at Harry's words, and Ron thinks he might just teach for a year, then go back to potions after. The trio are not the only ones talking, and Dumbledore clears his throat to regain their attention. Once the Great Hall is silent again, he resumes talking, moving the topic on to Lord Voldemort and his followers. Harry glances at Malfoy, who is using his wand to make his fork hover in midair, as if he finds the headmaster's words unworthy of his attention. Dumbledore says he cannot emphasize strongly enough just how dangerous the present situation is, and how much care they all must take to stay safe. He brings up the strengthening of the castle's magical protections, but also cautions everyone to guard against carelessness and abide by the security restrictions teachers may implement, and to report anything strange or suspicious within or outside the castle. He then sends them off to bed so they can be well rested for their lessons, and everyone begins to file out of the Great Hall towards their dormitories. Harry lags behind to avoid ending up near Malfoy, and though Hermione hurries ahead to complete her prefect duties, Ron stays behind with Harry and asks him again what happened to his nose. Harry tells him the story and appreciates that Ron doesn't laugh. He does mention seeing Malfoy miming something to do with the nose, but Harry tells him to never mind that, and fills him in on what he overheard instead. He thinks Ron will be stunned by it, and is frustrated that he is instead unimpressed, just figuring he was showing off for Parkinson. He's doubtful you-know-who would have a mission for him, but Harry asks him how he knows Voldemort doesn't need someone at Hogwarts. Hagrid comes up behind them at this point and expresses that he wishes he'd stop saying that name. Harry reminds him that Dumbledore uses the name, and Hagrid points out that that's Dumbledore, then asks why he was late. Harry only tells him that he got held up on the train and returns the question. Hagrid happily responds that he was with Grop and lost track of time. He's gotten him set up with a new home in the mountains, a nice big cave that Dumbledore found, and he's much happier there. He says they were having a good chat, which surprises Harry, since the last time he saw Grop, he knew about five words. Hagrid says he's really come on, and he's thinking of training him as his assistant. Ron snorts, but manages to disguise it as a sneeze. When they reach the oak front doors, Hagrid tells him he will see them tomorrow, letting them know the first lesson is right after lunch. He suggests they come early to say hi to Buckbeak, but cuts himself off to say Witherwings instead. He waves a cheery farewell, leaving Harry and Ron with a sinking feeling as they realize none of them are planning on taking care of magical creatures that year. The movie scene jumps to the dark and partly cloudy ceiling of the Great Hall and pans down past all the floating candles to where the students are feasting at the long tables. 
finally settling on a bowl of red jelly as a spoon digs into it, and Ron's voice saying he'll be there in a minute. The camera cuts to show Ron taking a big bite as Hermione, who is holding a book, glares at him. She then tells him to stop eating, smacking him with her book on each word, then slamming the book on the table and reminding him that his best friend is missing. Ron tells her to turn around, calling her a lunatic. They both look to the door along with Jenny, who is sitting across from them, and see Harry walking up the aisle with Luna. Jenny says he's covered in blood again and asks why he's always covered in blood. Ron points out that at least it looks like it's his own this time. And as Harry sits in the open spot next to Jenny, Hermione leans forward to ask where he has been and what happened to his face. Harry holds a bloody cloth to his nose, saying, later, and asked what he missed. Ron says that the hat told them to be brave and strong during these troubled times, which he thinks is easy for a hat to say. At this point, Dumbledore approaches the podium, and the chattering in the Great Hall dies down as he wishes them all the best of evenings. He begins his speech by introducing the newest member of their staff, Horace Slughorn. Everyone politely applauds as Slughorn stands. Dumbledore continues speaking over the applause, letting everyone know that Professor Slughorn has agreed to return to his old post of Potions Master, while the post of Defense Against the Dark Arts will be taken by Professor Snape. Slughorn starts to clap for Snape, but looks around and realizes most people seem shocked and concerned, and the only scattered applause is coming from the Slytherin table, aside from Malfoy, who looks bored. Dumbledore doesn't address this and continues his speech, bringing up how they were all searched upon arrival, saying they have the right to know why. He tells them of a young man who once sat in that very hall, walked through the castle's corridors, and slept under its roof. To everyone he seemed a student like any other, named Tom Riddle. As the whispers start back up, Dumbledore tells them he is now known by another name. He says that is why, as he stands there before them, he is reminded of the sobering fact that every day, every hour, perhaps this very minute, dark forces will attempt to penetrate the castle's walls. But in the end, their greatest weapon is them. He tells the students it is something for them to think about, then sends them off to bed. The great hall is filled with chatter as the students stand and begin filing out. Harry looks solemn as he processes Dumbledore's words that Ron calls cheerful. Malfoy is still sitting with his hand on his chin, which he lowers as he remains sitting solemnly. Actually, fairly accurate, these two scenes, I think. Compared from book to movie? Yeah, pretty much. Definite differences, because why would we even have a podcast if there weren't? <laughs> but I think that the main difference is the fact that there's details left out. There's always details left out. Could you imagine if we ever had an episode where we were just like, oh my god, they did this exactly the same. I don't know what to talk about. We'll be able to do that when they do the show. I hope so. I'll be very excited for that. Fingers crossed. In this case, the details that were mostly left out here in the book, or from the book, I should say, start because we see Harry and Snape walk to the castle in the book. I said in the book twice. It's fine. If you're not clear, I am currently talking about what happened in the book. <laughs> the book. Woo. It's been a day, y'all. Basically, on this walk, Harry's just seething in the silence. Is it because he has to walk more? <laughs> I'm sure that has something to do with it, but I think it also has a lot to do with just how much he hates Snape. 
What a goob. Eventually, Snape decides that he can't just let this be silent seething. I imagine he can feel Harry's hatred so much in this moment that he just feels the need to poke the bear. <sighs> a reason Snape shouldn't be a teacher. Number 577. Oh, gosh. Snape, Severus, get it together, baby. I'm sure you've noticed me do this when I'm texting. Mm -hmm. If I ever have to say, oh, my God, that took like, and then I just type a random number that looks really long. Mm -hmm. Years. But I don't know what I, I literally just push numbers until I feel like it's so long enough I, and yeah. then I send it. So that was how I came up with 577. I was going to say 394. Something. Yes. 394. 394. Or in this case, 50, because that's how many points he decides to take from Gryffindor since he's late. Which, come on, man. Abomination. Abomination. Whatever. He then takes off another 20 since Harry's still in his muggle clothes. Obama Snapeshin. Obama Snapeshin. Episode title. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he has to really rub it in that this will be the first time a house has started the term off in negative points. I doubt that. I honestly doubt that. Fred and George went to that school. <laughs> There's no way. Well, he says so early in the term. So I'm sure that houses have hit negative points before. No, I definitely think that bef like before speeches, they definitely could have one that hit negatives. I don't negatives. think any teacher would take off points before except speeches for except for Snape. So for how anybody often does he get the option to do that? What the fuck? Can Filch take away points? I hope so. He I needs some imagine. sort of power. Yeah, I would imagine so. He can give out detentions. So... So then they were like, that's all the power you need. <laughs> you can't Sorry, take points. Sorry, we can't let you hang kids by their toes. But here, you can have some points to take away. Filch has some weird BDSM stuff. Yeah. And don't ever go to a wedding at his place. <laughs> More Game of Thrones references for you. If yes. you didn't know, so many Harry Potter actors are in Game of Thrones. I feel like that's because basically every British actor worth something has been in a Harry Potter movie of sorts. Tis true. Tis no true. offense to you British actors that are worth something who were not in the Harry Potter movies or Fantastic Beast movies. We're talking about you, Gerard Butler. <laughs> Anywho, in response to Snape's snaping, Harry just seethes a little bit more, but is smart enough to keep his mouth shut. He thinks that he would rather be immobilized all the way back to London than have to tell Snape why he was late. True. I feel like it's to even have to talk to Snape. Having to talk to Snape in this situation, he just took points away from you. He, he was just a dick to Tonks. He was mean to Tonks. And Harry doesn't really completely understand why, but he definitely understands that it was definitely a slight at her. And is this the first time that they've been one-on-one -on -one since... Occlumency? Oh, Lord. Awkward. Remember that time I looked at your memories that you yeah. didn't want me to look at? This is super awkward. Can you imagine if Harry had fallen into another memory? Yeesh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like I said, Snape is just poking the bear. And now he's going on, probably because this is what James would have wanted, I'm sure. But he's just figuring that Harry wanted to make an entrance. And since he didn't have a flying car this time around... He was just going to burst into the Great Hall in muggle clothes halfway through the feast. I don't really understand this because I'm sure there are people walking in and out of the Great Hall 
like the whole feast you gotta pee you've been on a train for fucking eight hours like you probably have to go to the bathroom there's probably people leaving coming in and out it's also a really big room it's great (laughs) it is great tony the tiger great hall it's just it just wouldn't be the spectacle that that Severus is making it seem like it's going to be. I mean, he could make it a spectacle. He absolutely could, but that's not Harry's style. And it's if you paid not. attention to Harry for five seconds, you would know that it's not his style. And that his personality is a lot more tapered to mom than it is to dad. And we'll actually discuss this again briefly in just a few minutes here. Because to his first comment, thinking that Harry just wants the attention, Harry again decides to just not Ignore. say anything. Yep. Like I said, he's so angry. Snape has got to be just feeling it. Like, he, like... Is heat coming off of Harry? I just see, like, lines raising off of Harry. Like, the steam coming out of his ears. (laughs) And he is just positive that Snape is the one who came to fetch him just so he could have this time to torture him with no witnesses. I'm sure. That's accurate. Because McGonagall could have come and got him. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I guess she's doing the sorting hat ceremony, but... Absolutely. But still, someone else... Flitwick like in the movie Mm -hmm. but they make it to the castle steps and now they can actually hear all the goings on in the great hall and Harry considers putting his invisibility cloak on so he can sneak in and Snape even knows that this is what Harry is thinking and tells him no you have to walk in so everyone can see you which I'm sure is what you wanted if that is what Harry wanted, why does he want, to, does put he want to put on the cloak? Because <sighs> he wants so desperately for Harry to be like James, so it's easier to be mean to him. But He I think wants he, to hate Harry. I think he realizes that Harry definitely is a lot like Lily. And I think that's honestly what fucks with Snape so much. Probably. Dude's so messed up. Wizarding healthcare. Right. <laughs> Now, given the option to continue hanging out with Snape or to enter the Great Hall, Harry just turns and walks right into the Great Hall. And naturally, people are starting to stare. He sees Ron and Hermione and, like, rushes to get to them and basically forces his way between the two of them, even though there's probably not a lot of space there, but it's anything to get out of the line of sight of all of the people staring at him as much as possible. This kind of reminds me of you not wanting to get up and turn your test in first. Right. <laughs> You're like, I'm just going to sit here for a little longer. I don't know. Ron starts to ask him, where were you? And gets probably about halfway through that before going, what happened to your face? Business comma nunya. <laughs> I love that Harry picks up a spoon to use as a mirror. And I wish we could have seen this because it would have just been really satisfying to see how big Harry's nose looked on the back of a spoon. (laughs) Like, is it okay? Is it okay? It would have been so great. He asks what's wrong with his face, naturally, as he's trying to look at it in a spoon. And Hermione's just like, well, you're covered in blood. She uses Turgio to siphon off all of the dried blood. That's nice. So he's not bleeding anymore. It's just dried Dried blood blood, all over him. Harry thanks her and says, how does my nose look? Can we talk about, because this is the book and it's Tonks that fixed Harry's nose, that of course she wouldn't know how to do Turgio because she's not a clean yes, girl. Yes, And I love it. I mean, she's not dirty, but she like talks about how she's very cluttery and messy yeah. and her dad is a hopeless... Well, she tried to do the spell. And she's like, my mom has a little flick to her wrist yeah, and they just and she fold like, themselves up. I was never very good at the household spells. Yeah, yeah I love that. 
Anyway, Hermione tells him that his nose is looking normal, wanting to know why, <laughs> what happened. Hmm. And Harry's just like, that's fine. People are listening in. People specifically being Ginny, Neville, Dean, and Seamus. And then I'm sure there are plenty of other people that are straining to hear what the chosen one is saying right now after walking in late. So he just says later and inner monologue is praying that everybody is just assuming he had done something heroic yeah (laughs) what is the placement like who what tables are around them the ravenclaws are right behind them i think they did the placement different in the movies than they had it described in the books because in the book it said something about he thinking he could sneak in along the the wall and down to the further end because the gryffindors were off on the side but the movie definitely puts them on one of the tables in the middle they're much more central yeah Hmm. Okay. But Harry is positive Malfoy is going to spread the story of stomping on Harry Potter, the Chosen One's face, far and wide and just hopes it doesn't get to too many Gryffindors. I honestly don't think he's going to. If he tells his friends, they're going to tell their friends. Pansy will tell people. And they're going to tell everybody in Slytherin's going to know. And it may not leave Slytherin by that much, but everyone in Slytherin's going to know. Yeah. So... Pretty much all of these details are omitted in the movie. What? <laughs> and no. the movie what? Scene, the movie scene picks up as Harry goes into the Great Hall. And Ron is stuffing his face. And I dislike. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. I strongly dislike that people say Ron's second house is Hufflepuff. No, I agree with you. But I'm going to give a... A description to why I dislike it. People say it's because he likes food. I enjoy a good food. I am a pudgy gal. It's fine. I got a little run, little pudge around my tum tum. It's fine. You also just, you know, birthed a human not that long ago. Shoved a human out of me. It's fine. But also, I got a little, I got a little, a little chub on my tum tum. It's fine. It's chill. It's cool. However, the most important things that are listed out in Hufflepuff qualities are patience, hardworking loyalty and loyalty is the big one that they always say eating (laughs) is not listed as one i'm sorry we're next to the kitchens and there's food and we can have access to all the food we want if we tickle the pear giggity giggity yes exactly ronald bilius weasley would not have the secondary house i don't even i i think he's full gryffindor i think his secondary house would be gryffindor it's just who he is I don't think he has a secondary house because I think he's a Gryffindor. He is very, very, very Gryffindor. And I don't think he is a Hufflepuff because his loyalty to Harry and Hermione is tested a lot. And he fails. And he lets it falter. Yeah. And he lets it fail. Me, however, I will be loyal to the end. Like, my friends, I will be loyal until you tell me to get the fuck out of your life i will be there for you i don't have the patience aspect of a hufflepuff but boy do i have the hardworking and the loyal (laughs) i don't know i've seen you with your son you do have a lot of patience patience with my son is a lot different than patience with slow drivers (laughs) okay but who likes slow drivers not my husband but it's just Ron's secondary house, I just don't think that it would be Hufflepuff. Just because he doesn't have patience. No. He is hardworking. I will give him that. He is well. he he tries 
He's a little lazy around the edges, but he tries for good grades. He, he studies and... He does. He wants to at least be on par with his siblings. <laughs> he does try. Yes. He puts effort forth. He does. Would I describe him as hardworking? No. No, I don't think so because he's not really like a self-starter. No, he it's doesn't more like go Hermione above has and to beyond. He doesn't go above and beyond in yeah. any way. And though, as it's specifically said, which Harry gives him in the seventh book, Dumbledore knew he'd always want to come back. Yeah. Which is the nice way of saying he was going to leave him. He knew he was going to falter. And somebody that's loyal doesn't falter. At least I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't think that a Hufflepuff would have ever walked away to begin with. No, I think you might have some lack of faith, which I know that the Horcrux was dealing massive amounts of damage. But it also to wasn't him. the first time. It also isn't the first time. You're right. There are several points to Harry or Hermione. To Harry or Hermione. And that being said, I don't think that means Ron Weasley is not a good friend. No, I don't either. I think that he just had to go through his little trials to figure out... He had his own traumas. What was important. He is the last boy in a line of very talented and privileged... Not money-wise privileged, but definitely privileged along the lines of that they grew up in this big family and, like, Bill and Charlie were, like, really popular and... And let's not pretend that coming from two pure blood families don't give you privileges in the wizarding world. Correct. And his name goes somewhere for sure. And I don't think that they were poor because they didn't have money. I think they were poor, poor they had because so many they children. had so many people yes. to take care of. And I'm and sure as soon as kids started, it does seem like the longer the books go on, the less noticeable the poverty poor is. thing yeah. is. Yeah. So it's definitely mentioned a lot less. But I think that's kind of the nice thing that we see about the trio is they come from three different backgrounds. Very different backgrounds. So Harry's a half-blood, Ron's a pure-blood, and Hermione's a muggle-born. So they all kind of have their different experiences. Harry and Hermione have experiences that are shared with their muggle, muggle background. Experiences. And then Ron and Harry kind of have shared experiences with... Similar, like, talking about how they grew up and things would happen magic-wise. And then I just see little Hermione reading her Matilda book and being like, she's like me. Hermione is also an only child. Yes. Which Harry wasn't an only child but boy, growing he. <laughs> up, but he also was basically a non-child. Like, he yeah. wasn't treated like a loved kid. I know we talked about this, but I still can't see how a one-year-old comes into your life and you don't show them the remotest. Like, how could you not snuggle a little sweet boy that just has, he smiles at you? I just, I can't imagine it. I, I'm, I'm not about to cry. I am. I think it would have been very interesting to see how Petunia was with Harry as a baby when Vernon wasn't home. No. But. That being said. Yeah. I don't think Ron's second house. <laughs> he... I think he's just Gryffindor through and through. Yeah, he's brave. He is a good friend. Yep. He is not. I don't know the how person. chivalry falls into this. He is chivalrous in some some aspects. I think you could argue that the returning was chivalrous. Yes. I don't think that Ron didn't come back for Harry, but I do think that Ron came back more for Hermione. I think it was for both of them, and I think it was for the greater good. 
no we don't like that but i definitely (laughs) think it was for hermione by that point but talking about ron the mess that he is hermione's concerned that harry's missing but mr ronald oblivious weasley that is definitely is not ronald bilious oblivious bilious oblivious i was gonna say a bilious but then it didn't make sense in my brain bilvious bilvious yeah (laughs) but he's not he's not concerned he's like harry will figure it out it's fine which i get Uh, you know at some point you gotta be be here any minute and then there's delicious feast in front yeah there's food i gotta eat which also right there he's placing more importance on the food than he is his missing friend not loyal I definitely... He is very loyal to food. Yeah. I definitely think that I could argue that Hermione's secondary house could be Hufflepuff. I think that's more likely than Ravenclaw. She sticks around with Harry no matter... She says, we said we'd come with you. And she doesn't leave with Ron, even though he's like, and you? Yeah. And she loves Ron. We know that. But she chooses to stay with Harry. And I think that that's... She set a task and that's what they're going to do. But at this point, Jenny's like, when Harry walks in, you know, he's holding a a cloth on his nose like it's still bleeding. And she's like, he's covered in blood. Why is he always covered in blood? And I'm just like, when the fuck else has he been covered in blood recently? What the hell have you guys been doing? (laughs) Must have been some rough Quidditch matches over the summer. (laughs) I'm just thinking, like, when's the last time Jenny saw him covered in blood? I mean, there was probably blood after the battle at the ministry but she also would have been covered in blood so like not surprising i don't know there was also blood after the triwizard tournament the quad wizard tournament she's just acting like it's been happening so recently and i'm like dude definitely blood after they all got whooped by the whomping willow but when him and hermione got whooped by the whomping willow Mm -hmm. so he was covered in blood at the end of three i mean in two absolutely thinking she was there mm -hmm. i mean he really does end every year covered in blood the school is safe now he's starting in blood (laughs) (laughs) the school is safe yay definitely so he is often covered in blood. But why? Why do they have to give her stupid lines like that? And also, why is she there? She's dating Dean. Get the fuck. Go go with your boyfriend. You know, I think it's interesting that in this section, there's just an open seat next to Ginny. And Harry just walks in mid-feast and sits down in this open seat next to Ginny. I would have loved it if Dean was on the other side like, who are you? <laughs> Damn it, it's Harry fucking Potter. It's the chosen one. Can you imagine being against Harry Potter and like everybody knows that you had a crush on him and you're like Dean and you're like, damn it. <laughs> I mean, that does happen. It at does, the end of this basically. Book, so Poor Dean. We'll Who does it. he marry? I'm about to Google it. But there's more book stuff. There's a lot more book stuff because though this is parallel and very similar what they do give us what they don't give us is noticeable because like i said it's mid-feast harry literally starts to reach for chicken and just misses it it's like the house elves are down in the kitchen laughing at him before he can grab the chicken the plates disappear and then everything's replaced with the puddings which i mean at least you made it there for the puddings dude oh yeah have have some dessert for dinner right i'm fine for that i mean he had dessert well he didn't have dessert for lunch he had a proper lunch thanks to slughorn so totally can have an improper pudding dinner have like a sugar rush at the end of the first day at hogwarts Ah, i can't go to sleep (laughs) 
Hermione, being Captain Obvious, tells him he missed the sorting. Like, no shit, Sherlock. But Harry just asks if the hat said anything interesting. But basically, the hat just said stuff about uniting against dark enemies. Which is kind of a ding in the movie. Like, kind of, like Ron says, oh, he said to be brave in these dark times or whatever, you know. And it's just easy for a hat to say. <laughs> Which there is kind of. That comment in the movie is kind of a nod to one Ron makes in the book, which we'll mm -hmm. get to in a minute here. Harry then wants to know if Dumbledore has brought up good old Moldy Voldy at all yet, which Hermione says he hasn't, but he usually saves the proper speech for after the feast, which I do miss the fact that we have not, since the first movie, had the opportunity to see Dumbledore stand up and just go, Oddment, Nitwick, Tweak, Blubber, or whatever the order was. Yeah. <laughs> His weird, I just want to say a few words. That's my favorite, though. Fill your bellies, and then we'll have a proper talk after. It'd be like that. It's better to have some scary news on a full stomach. Absolutely. You don't want to lose your appetite before you get to eat all the yummy stuff. Harry mentions that Snape told him Hagrid was also late to the feast, and Ron's like, when the fuck did you see Snape? You don't want to know. Yeah, no, no, no. Again, later. But Hermione says he was only a few minutes late. And like, look, he's waving at you. So Harry Aww. looks up at the staff table and Hagrid is up there like enthusiastically waving the at table him. whole table shaking. Yeah. And McGonagall looks very disapproving of this because she is normally very composed. And Hagrid is, if anything, the opposite of composed. I wonder, they should like lower the spot where Hagrid is. Like put a little like square and lower <laughs> it down so his chair is a little lower. So he's, like, not knocking the table over every time he stands up. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Sweet man. Sweet man. What surprises Harry is that Professor Trelawney is actually sitting on Hagrid's other side. So you got McGonagall on one, Trelawney on the other, which is probably a good barrier a good thing, to have yeah. between the two of them. But this is surprising because she doesn't usually leave her tower. He thinks that she looks as weird as she always looks and he kind of finds himself staring at her in this moment because a little creepy here he's always considered her to be a fraud but then ended up learning that she's the one who made the prediction that sent them to the ministry and the department of mysteries last year i definitely think she's a little extra a she, little she does have the talent it just doesn't come out as much as she would like it to. I don't think she has any control over it. No, that's that's kind of scary, too. Like, she says her great-grandmother was a seer or whatever, and it sounds like she had some control over it, and it's like, poor Charlotte, she has, like, no control over it whatsoever. Yeah. He's really grateful that he gets to drop divination this year because knowing that she made the prediction that, that sent Voldemort after us. his family makes him even less inclined to want to be around her. It's very awkward. <laughs> Can I have Ferenz as my teacher, please? Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just going to drop divination. I'm just going <laughs> to At least Ferenz likes Harry. I mean, Trelawney really likes Harry, too. And she's really disappointed that he doesn't continue. Well, she said he wasn't a very good seer, but he was an excellent object. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> anyway, maybe this has something to do with her seer senses. But she catches him staring at him and turns and looks right at him. And he just, like, turns away really fast. But this shifts so his much. eyes to 
Nazi von douchebag. The second, uh, who is acting out, shattering a nose, and everybody at his table around him is laughing and clapping, which makes him immediately drop his gaze down to his pudding, his favorite treacle tart. And he has that moment, like I mentioned before, that he just wishes he could fight Malfoy one-on-one, which I think is what his grimace in the movie showed. Yeah. I'll beat you up. We now get to a moment where Hermione asks what Slughorn wanted, so it's kind of like Hermione's version of what Malfoy was asking while they were still on the train. You'd think that she asked Neville that, but I guess not. Harry fills Hermione in on most of it. It was just he really wanted to know what happened at the ministry. And Hermione's like, yeah, him and everyone else. I mean, I would be a little nosy. Absolutely. I wouldn't directly ask anyone involved with it, but I would ask other people who might know. I'm very forward. (laughs) If I want to know something, I'm going to be like, hey, uh, what's going on? I would be the person that would just befriend them and be cool about it in hopes they decide to tell me, but I would ask everybody else around them. That's how I would do that. I don't think Harry would like me very much, so... (laughs) I would absolutely be like Romilda to Harry, probably. <laughs> no, I wouldn't drug him. But anyway, I love this part. And this is what I was talking about, how I felt like Ron's comment in mm-hmm. the movie is kind of a nod to this. Yes. Because you've got nearly headless Nick, the Gryffindor ghost, just kind of hanging out. And he joins in the conversation at this point saying, yes, there's even much talk amongst the ghosts. And they all come to me because they know that I've been friendly with Harry Mm. in the past and I'm somewhat of an authority on him. But I assured them all that I would rather die than betray Harry Potter's trust. And Ron's like, well, that's not saying much. You're already dead. Yeah. So it's very similar to that. Easy for you to say you're a hat type thing. Just Ron being sassy Ron. Ron being insensitive, as nearly, Ron. <laughs> as nearly headless Nick puts it, once again, you show all the sensitivity, sensitivity of a blunt axe, which he knows very well. He does know all the sensitivity. I have said in our patron chat that I would really like Billy Connolly to play nearly headless Nick in the movies, or in the new show that they're doing. Because I think he gets that very good cuteness that Nick seems to have, but also the very properness. Yes, yes. If you've ever watched the Series of Unfortunate Event movie with Jim Carrey playing Count Olaf, Billy Connolly plays their, uh, not uncle, Uncle Monty, and he's in the reptile house. He's so cute. And I'm just like, I just want to keep you. And I think you'd be a really good, good, good nearly headless Nick. And Nicholas Poppington. Sir Nicholas D. Mimsy Poppington. But I could see him doing this and doing it in very eloquent, yeah, sassy but eloquent way, you know? And then gliding off. <laughs> Fuck off. Fortunately, right at this moment, Dumbledore decides he's going to give a speech. So there's the distraction that he needed from that. And Dumbledore, being Dumbledore, doesn't even have to do anything or say anything in the books anyway. He just stands to give a speech and everybody stops talking and laughter dies away. I need this kind of classroom oh management. Oh my god, right? <laughs> I can't even ring a bell and get him to be quiet. I mean, I work with toddlers, so if I put on Baby Shark, they'll be quiet. No, they'll sing Baby Shark. That's better than them yelling at each other. That's true. My mommy, my mommy. That's literally what they argue about. Dumbledore 
puts his arms out wide, and wishes everyone the very best of evenings. That's a ding. He does that. He always is so He extra. even says he wishes everyone the best of evenings in he the movie. He does, yeah. Unfortunately, spreading his arms out wide like that reveals the blackened hand. And Hermione, amongst others, just gasps. It probably looks like a hand of glory would be my guess. Do you remember what my smashed finger looked like after duckpin bowling? I sent a picture to the group chat. I think so, yeah. It looked like that, but a whole hand, not just one finger. That's true. I'm a very dramatic bruiser. <laughs> anyway, she wants to know what happened, as does many other people, because whispering is going throughout the hall, and Dumbledore knows exactly what <laughs> it's about. Like, and he just sort of shakes his hand to go underneath the edge of his sleeve and just goes, it's nothing to worry about, and goes into his speech, because... He's not going to give him details. He wouldn't even give Harry details. He needs to be like Michael Jackson. The one Wear love. <laughs> Harry tells Hermione that that's what it looked like when he saw him over the summer, which was weeks ago. Months ago. Yeah. yeah. That was still like two weeks into the summer, wasn't it? Hmm? He says something about only being at the Dursleys for a fortnight. Yeah. So he's like, I would have thought that it'd be better by now. And Hermione says, it looks like it died. They saw a hand of glory. <laughs> Pointing out that there are some injuries you can't cure. So this looks like it could be one. What class do you take to learn magical medicine? Do you have to go to like secondary <laughs> Hogwarts to I'm learn sure magic that medicine? You just have to have like potions, herbology. And you just have to take and like transfiguration and stuff like that. And then after you p pass your NEWTs. You go on for the like training for secondary, that. Secondary, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. But Dumbledore is unfazed by all of the whispering and just continues his speech. Mentions Filch's blanket ban on any joke items bought from the store called Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, which I love and I'm super disappointed they did not mention that in the movie. I know, that would have been so funny. He also mentions that those interested in playing Quidditch or commentating the games need to give their names to the heads of houses which oh i can't wait to talk about that and then at this point of the speech he welcomes professor slughorn as the new dun 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 potions master the do what the what the what which literally is both ron and hermione's reaction because they turn to harry they're like we thought you said he was teaching defense against the dark arts I mean, y'all assumed that, kind of. Well, Harry assumed that. Yeah. I don't know if he specifically said to them that he's taking that post or just... They all definitely assumed that it was Defense Against the Dark Arts that was open, so that's where the new teacher must be going. But they are by far not the only ones shocked by this. And then Dumbledore shocks them even more by letting them know that Professor Snape We'll be taking the Defense Against the Dark Arts position. I love this. And again, wish that this would have been included in the movie. Harry literally goes, no! Bruh. Like, out loud protests. To it's... the point that people turn and look at him. I think that I said this on the podcast before, but that's pretty much my exact reaction when Harry breaks the wand. <laughs> I was like, What? Have you seen the edit where Harry breaks the wand and then it cuts it's to Damien? Damien? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's just plastic. What? 
That's what they should make wands out of, plastic. Is it magical plastic? There's so many microplastics. I feel like that'd be a good investment. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Help the planet. So anyway, Harry yells out loud. People turn and look at him. But he doesn't really care. <laughs> it's not like people don't know he hates Snape. <laughs> there is that. He also is too busy trying to remember if Dumbledore ever did mention what Slughorn was going to be teaching. It's a very ADHD moment for Harry. Yeah. So... Far less details in the movie, as per usual. What? But no. we do get introduced to Professor Sluggy and find out that Snape's mirror of Erised dreams have come true. He is the DADA teacher. This is definitely a finally moment for him. Obviously. And it is the meat of this moment is very much a ding. It is, yeah. So they didn't really change anything here. They just left a ton out. In the book, Snape's like, yeah, yeah, like very lazily just like waves his hand. I don't even think Alan Rickman moves in the movie, does he? I don't know that they really show him. They kind of, they show, it kind of like pans and they yeah. you see uh, Slughorn, Slughorn starts, starts to clap, starts to clap and yeah. look around like, this is awkward. What yeah. happened here? It's pretty much the same book and movie that mm -hmm. the only applause is coming from the Slytherin table. I mean, that has to be exciting. Can you just... Being a regular ass Slytherin, you're not like evil. You're like kind of proud to be in your house and Snape is your head of house and you're kind of proud and you're like, yeah, finally, he got what he wanted. That's cool. And then everybody else is know. like, fuck you. <laughs> I don't know how widely known it was that he wanted that position other than the people who were there when he got interviewed by yeah. Pepto Bitch Mall. Well, I feel like maybe if you're a Slytherin who, like, makes a point to, like, your secondary house is probably Ravenclaw, you make a point to know a lot about your professors yeah. and stuff like that, that that may be, you know, whatever. But you could also be like, hell yeah, that's my head of house. I'm so excited. He got, you know, he's going to teach something different. That's going to be fun. I'm sure that had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Harry has a very sassy Harry moment. <laughs> he's so mean. Where he flat out says to Ron and Hermione, at least this means Snape will be gone by the end of this year. And Ron's like, what, what? do you mean? <laughs> well, Ooh. the job's jinxed. No one's lasted for more than a year. Quirrell even died while Literally doing this died. job. Literally dead now. Can we talk so... about how you murdered him, Harry? Harry no. didn't murder him. Mm. Voldemort murdered him. Mm. Mm. Quirrell was still alive when Dumbledore showed up in the book. The movie made it look like he murdered him. In the book, Quirrell was still alive, and mm -hmm. Voldemort abandoned him to die. Yeah, he was because... just like slightly blistering in the book. Okay. The movie had him like fully turn to ash. Yeah, that was gross. And die and disappear. Like, yes, it looked like Harry murdered him in the movie. Why didn't but Voldemort in the book, die that way instead of Voldy bits? Well, he still had Horcruxes. Oh, you know. I meant like in the seventh movie when he oh. like. Blah, blah, blah. I liked it way better in the book. We'll talk about this then. Yeah, but he died human. In the book. He be dead. Yep. But, but yeah, so Quirrell. Harry being sassy. Literally dies. And Harry says he's going to keep his fingers crossed for another death, which makes Hermione go, Harry. I think that's a well-deserved Harry moment. Yeah. Because yikes. Like, no, Snape's not great. We don't want people to die, though, Harry. I don't know. The way that I play Hogwarts Legacy. Oh, I love me going after some poachers. <laughs> I do like fighting poachers, but poachers are bad guys. <laughs> very, very bad. And any animals. And the bad goblins. And the bad goblins, yeah. That's a... 
But anyway, rightfully so, Hermione's shocked. And Ron's Rude. more reasonable here and says he might just teach Defense Against the Dark Arts one year and then go back to potions because it could be like with Moody, where he initially, when it was supposed to be Moody, only intended to stay for a year. Or he becomes the new headmaster. There's that too. Dun, dun, dun. Naturally, these three aren't the only ones having a side discussion. So Dumbledore just clears his throat to get everyone's attention again. Again, I wish I could just clear I my know. throat and get everyone's attention. Granted, if I taught magic and was known to be very, very, very powerful, yeah, I probably have the respect. It probably makes a difference. But once everyone's quiet again, he moves on to the topic of old Moldy Voldy and his followers. At this point, Harry steals a glance at Nazi von Douchebag II, who is basically ignoring Dumbledore. And just using his wand to make his fork hover in midair. So that was probably like a Leviosa type thing. Wingardium Leviosa. And it's just coming across like he doesn't find anything Dumbledore saying worthy of any kind of attention at all. Which, as previously mentioned, Dumbledore does not have a magical eye. So I don't know if he doesn't know that this is going on because he can't see everything in the Great Hall. But he just continues talking emphasizing how dangerous everything that's going on right now is and what they have to do to stay safe. He talks about how they've done a ton to strengthen all of the magical protections at the castle and says that you also have to be really careful to guard against doing stupid things. And you need to make sure you listen to your teachers when they give you additional guidelines for staying safe. And please report anything strange or suspicious that you see within or outside of Hogwarts. See something, say something. See something, say something. And then he sends them off to bed so they can be well rested for first day of classes next day. Naturally, everybody begins to just get up and head to dormitories. This happens in the movie. It does. There's more Dumbledore being cryptic, his little crypticisms, as we discussed in... In the movie, he seems very much to be talking to Draco. Like, he's making his speech, but he's talking to Draco. And he says Tom Riddle, who goes by another name, but never actually says who that is. He's just... It's very cryptic. <laughs> but Malfoy's sitting there looking bored. But the way that Tom Felton is just staring off, I feel like he is taking it in and he's like assessing his choices that he is about to make going to make working on making has made you know be do make yeah it's yeah. just a lot for him to take in because even though he may seem bored you know he's listening well the way that they end this scene and where we cut off the movie scene mm -hmm. it's on him it is yeah and he looks very reflective yes he does he does so I think you're right. I do think he is hearing it. And I think he is listening. And I think he is just trying to pretend like he, he doesn't care. Yeah. But he does. But I think he does. I think that Draco has a high respect for Dumbledore. He may not admit it willingly. But if Dumbledore's he, powerful. Yeah. And if he didn't before this book, he certainly yes. does by the end. Mm -hmm. I think that point... Which we'll get there. But I think that point is a break for him. It's a big deal to see what he almost did. Yeah. Yeah. 
but ultimately couldn't do. Oh, poor boy. So like I said, we cut the movie after Draco Malfoy, Nazi Uh von Douchebag uh II, Uh looking very reflective. But the book keeps going a little bit more. Since everybody is leaving and it's not just focusing on pensive Malfoy, Harry does get up but kind of lags behind because he doesn't want to be anywhere near him, understandably. Hermione, however, hurries ahead because she's got prefect duties to do and she's never going to shirk them. Whereas Ron... Is this where Ron says, hey, midgets? No, that was the was that first five? time. That was five. <laughs> Ron actually just skips doing the prefect duties. Of He's just he like, does. Hermione's got this. I'm sticking with Harry. Hardworking. Right. False. False. But he stays with Harry and asks again, what happened to your nose? And this time Harry does tell him the story. It specifically mentions that mark of Ron and Harry's friendship that Ron doesn't laugh at him. But why would he? I love that Harry thinks this in this moment. Like he's like, because sometimes, you know, like when somebody gets hit in the nuts with a ball, it's funny. I know that they're hurt, but it's funny, you know. And as they're boys, you know. Yeah. I mean. I don't think Ron would have ever laughed, though. No, he knows how their friendship is and how oof that is. So he instead mentions that he saw Malfoy miming something to do with an O's. And Harry's just like, yeah, but whatever. Listen to what I heard him say. And then he tells Ron all about the shit that he overheard when he was in the Slytherin compartment and he thinks that Ron is going to be shocked. Yeah. Like, oh my god, you were right all along. This is what Harry is waiting for. Instead, Ron's like, well, don't you just think he was probably showing off for Parkinson? Like, what mission would you know who possibly have for a 16-year-old? I hate that everybody thinks that they know Voldemort better than Harry. Like, stop. Which is exactly, Harry's just like, how do you know that Voldemort doesn't need somebody at Hogwarts? And the easiest person to get to be at Hogwarts is a foolish 16-year-old. Yeah. At this moment, Hagrid comes up behind them and is just like, I wish you'd stop using the name, Harry. <laughs> no. Harry says, Dumbledore uses the name. And Hagrid's just like, yeah, yeah but, but he's that's Dumbledore. Dumbledore. Like, who's going to tell Dumbledore not to do something? Not me. He then wants to know why Harry was late, and Harry's like, I could ask you the same thing. He does tell him he got held up at the train, but still. I could ask you the same thing, and Hagrid's like, well, I was with Grop and lost track of time. Which was our trivia question. And I love, like, it makes me so sad that we didn't get a little revisit of Grop. Bro, they drop Grop so hard. They drop drop, Grop. Drop Grop. So hard. And it's just so cute, because... Hagrid's like, Dumbledore helped me set him up in a new home in the mountains. He's got this nice big cave. He's super happy. We were having a good chat. And when Harry's just like, really? Because he knew like five words the last time we saw him. Hagrid's just like, no, he's like totally coming along. And I'm thinking of training him as my assistant. And Ron snorts and manages to disguise it as a particularly violent sneeze. And like moments like this. They're just so stinking cute. They're so 16, and we don't get to see 16 very often. And why? Why? It's so fast. Why do you think that we don't need this, movies? Why do you think we don't need this? Who directed this one? Still David Yates. Ew, David. Ew, David. Anyway, they're all walking out of the Great Hall at this point, and when they get to the oak front doors where they part ways, Hagrid says he'll see him tomorrow. 
first lessons right after lunch. Come early so you can see Buck, I mean, Wither Wings. I love that he messes with it. Uh -huh. And then he says, good night. Gives him a very cheery wave farewell. And Harry and Ron are just standing there. Like, are uh, you taking care of magical creatures? Are you taking care of magical creatures? Is Hermione taking care of magical creatures? Y'all don't know what you're taking, uh -huh. to be honest. No, they're all planning on dropping it. I know, but still. And they're still. like, how are we going to tell Hagrid that his three favorite students are dropping his class? And that's where the chapter ends. Just fast. I hate that the assumption is that nobody's going to take it. Which, I know it hasn't been a good track record for him. But somebody in this damn school, in their year, has to love magical creatures enough that it doesn't matter. Well, I don't think that nobody's going to take it. And I don't think that was the assumption that I got. Because anybody that wants to pursue anything that involves needing Well, Ron said, I don't know anybody in our year who's continuing i mean it's not like that's a lot of wt it's not but it also stresses me out as a teacher that hagrid is not getting his roster until the first day of class well i'm sure he knows the lower the but lower grades it's still stressful i but don't know who the i'm upper gonna be grades they're gonna be significantly smaller classes in general they so it's not like will be but you have to have a plan well, I mean, you can and still you plan what you're going to teach. You can still plan what you're going to teach without knowing who you're going to teach it to. I guess scaffolding yeah. can help, but it's it just uh, and as a planner. And silly bus day anyway. It is silly bus day, but you can't have a silly bus if you don't know who you're teaching or how many you're teaching. I think. That's my personal teaching philosophy. I don't. I don't know. I've been teaching for so long that I have my entire year's worth of curriculum for pre-K through eighth grade already figured out. I know. Out. Yours is nice. And I just have to adjust things as I go. It's just being flexible. Yeah. You figure it out as you go. But Hagrid doesn't know how to teach. So. He does. It just depends on who else is there. I think if Hagrid had a student that was like Newt Scamander or Charlie... I he would be you, so good at teaching. <laughs> I think that he had really great lessons. Like, they even mention how well he was doing Hermione when he just took that. over after he got back. Mm -hmm. But maybe Dumbledore, and, instead of throwing him in full force without guidance, maybe give him some pre-planned <laughs> lessons his first year. That would have been nice. Maybe, but I also think that... Or suggestions, at least. Everyone did well on Care of Magical Creatures OWLs. They and did, I think yeah. that that reflects well on Hagrid. It does. So, it definitely does. And especially because even though it shouldn't, often standardized tests determine how well a teacher is doing. Yeah. Standardized should tests shouldn't determine anything, but that is an entirely <laughs> different podcast. Well, they should determine how well a student can take a test. And that is it. Yeah. Well. Judge me if you would like. Anywho, actors-wise, still not much going on. We didn't even talk about him last week. Because, no, we didn't. Like, we had Luna last week. And we had... And um, a little bit this week. Warwick Davis. But still, we'll see more of them. We we'll will. Move on. And Tom Felton. We've definitely kind of fallen off of really focusing on talking about the actors, but we've talked about... The majority We're of them six. at this point. Yeah. There's not very many new actors. And I think to when we about. do get a new one who's significant, like when we get to Lab Lev, we definitely need to talk about that. But I'm not ready for that. <laughs> otherwise, we're just going to move on to the Potter Pondering, which is 
Do you think Ron's second house is Hufflepuff? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts. Or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your response as a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. That will bring us to our wizarding word, which this week is more baby pajamas. As a mama, I gotta share anytime I find any really cute Harry Potter stuff. So I found a brand that I think is really cute and they are they do really cool things. So the company is called Kind Thing and the pajama set that they have is called Spellbound. And it's just got like the sorting hat on top of some books. With Hedwig? With Hedwig. And they're teal. Well, it's not Hedwig because it's a barn owl, but it's an owl. <laughs> it counts. And I'm, they're teal. To be fair, I did not zoom into it and I could only see the face. So they're really cute. They have little stars and moons on them too. They're just very cute. They have a zippy version and they have a two-piece version. They are pretty expensive and they're sold out of almost every size except newborn for the zippies and the bigger sizes for the two-piece. Hopefully so, that's something they get more in on. And we also promise that we are going to look for Harry Potter products as well that adults would for like. For adults, yes. Yeah. They actually have these in adult sizes. And the one we talked about last week, they do offer adult sizes too. So if you want to match your baby. Super cute. It'd be good. Do the cutest Harry Potter Christmas cards. Yes. Oh, I love the idea. But yeah, we're going to kind of keep our eyes open for other things like this. Things on Etsy stores mm -hmm. and different things as well, along with other Wizarding World news. And if you have products that you sell and make, or you know somebody who sells and makes products, or works for a company that sells and makes products that are Harry Potter based, please let us know. Yeah, we'll absolutely include them in our podcast to help spread the word. Yes. The cool thing about this company that I found, the company is called Kind Thing, K-I-N-D thing co. yeah we'll share that link as well yes they will for every order they get they plant a tree oh i love so that. i like that a whole bunch so i thought that they're a really good eco-friendly company they're very forward thinking the pajamas are bamboo i believe so Ooh. they're very nice soft um, soft cozy very breathable yes now there's other companies like Little sleepies that make similar pajamas, but they don't have Harry Potter stuff, so. Keep that in mind. Yeah, little sleepies, if you're listening, send me some free Harry Potter. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But if you do work for little sleepies, or you know somebody who works for little sleepies, and they decide to make a Harry Potter line, we Let will gladly know. talk about them on this podcast. Absolutely. That'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, what score did Neville get on his Transfiguration OWL? The first one who responds with a correct answer in the code word hashtag charms was better will get a sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes. If you don't have an Apple account, then you can write us a recommendation on our Facebook page. Make sure to email us at foxsakepod at gmail.com and let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and TikTok at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. 
You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to become a patron, you can find us on Patreon at Pod. Patronage starts at $2 and will get you some awesome perks like for Fox Sake swag, access to our Discord channel, chats, and more. Check out our page for the details. Any support you can give is greatly appreciated. And join us next week when we talk about the first half of Chapter 9, The Half-Blood Prince, and the corresponding film scenes in a very loose sense of the word. As always. Thanks for listening. Hope you hear us again. I'm Carly. I'm Ellen. And we are... For Fox Fox Sake. Sake.